Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! I'm back, so deal with it. Let's do this! Finally, The Rock has come back! Live TV is awesome. The spirit of Ultimate Warrior will run forever! Graham Houston Athens here, back with another edition of WrestleRant Radio here today for May 26th, 2015. Hopefully you guys enjoyed your Memorial Day, I know I did. Spent most of the day actually reading my Hulk Hogan book, I bought it at an indie event last October, I want to say, at a New England Championship Wrestling Show for only 5 bucks. Hulk Hogan, My Life Outside the Ring, and I spent most of the day reading it right before Raw. It's a really good book too, I'm a huge wrestling reader, I've been reading wrestling books for as long as I can remember. Ted DiBiase, The Million Dollar Man's Autobiography, Rey Mysterio's Autobiography, Goldust's, uh, The Rocks, there's so many more, I probably, Chris Jericho's, both of his, I haven't read the third one yet, hopefully gonna read it in the next couple of months or so, but you know, I hadn't had a chance to read Hulk Hogan's book up until just now, because I've been off, you know, at school and stuff, just busy doing other things, but you no, know, like a day like yesterday was perfect, because, you know, kind of a day off, Memorial Day, whatever, so that was cool, and I also tweeted a picture of the book, of me reading that book yesterday, to Hulk Hogan, and he retweeted it, so that was pretty cool, but like I said, hopefully you guys are doing well, and what a week it has been, what a week it will be, you know, last week we had a great payback pay-per-view, and an awesome episode of Monday Night Raw, which we talked all about, at underscore John's Jargon and I, John Knapp, on last week's episode of WrestleRant Radio, a great episode, if I do say so myself, so if you missed it, go back and check it out right here in the archives, only on nextairawrestling.net, we talked all about payback, Monday Night Raw, Everything else in between, it was a great show. Go back and check it out. Uh, but we had that last week, and then before we had that Tuesday, WrestleRant Radio, then Wednesday, NXT TakeOver Unstoppable, and what a great show it was. I'm not going to go so far to say that it was my favorite special. It's still reserved for the December one, the NXT uh, NXT, R- NXT TakeOver R Evolution, the NXT title match between Adrian Neville and Sami Zayn, the women's title match between Banks and uh, Charlotte. Love that show, still my favorite to this day. But you know, this was still a pretty great show in and of itself, and also the arrival of someone you may know may, uh, named Samoa Joe. That was a great show, I'll be breaking that down in just a little bit. But that same night, news broke via Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer that TNA Impact Wrestling will be cancelled by Destination America come September. So a huge news story in regards to that TNA's reaction, fans' reactions, <laughs> Josh Matthews' reaction... Um, a lot of stuff to talk about in regards to TNA, and we'll just again we'll get to that in just a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about Raw as well last night, which I enjoyed. I thought it was a good show, and like I've been saying, I mean I think the current WWE product, and I'll probably go more in depth with this in just a little while, has been doing very well for itself since WrestleMania. It's not going to be, and it never will be, as hot as it was during the Attitude Era. Don't get me wrong, but I think all things considered, and everything else that's you know uh, you know on the horizon, both in WWE. NXT, and then the wrestling world on the horizon, with the exception of TNA. Um, I'm talking about, you know, Lucha Underground, Ring of Honor, and all the other indie companies and everything else going on right now in wrestling. We're in for, for a pretty cool summer. You know, I think Raw last night was good and an indicator that, you know, the current direction of WWE has been doing very well. I wrote, even wrote an article for HiddenRemote.com this past weekend 
coming up with 10 things, 10 reasons why the current product is flourishing. I mean, agree to disagree if you don't like the current product, and that's completely fine. You don't have to agree with me. But I'm just saying, I mean, I'm an optimist as it is, so I just kind of find the positives that are everything that is going right with wrestling and WWE specifically. But, you know, from the improving tag team division with Seth Rollins as the WWE World Heavyweight Champion, everything, I mean, no, NXT, NXT period is one reason to be excited for wrestling right now. And, you know, there's just so much going on that I'm excited. You know, I mean, Daniel Bryan's out and all this other stuff is happening. The authority, period, again, that's another thing to not like about wrestling right now. But, you know, on the whole, I'm liking it. You know, so I'll be talking about that in my Raw review in just a little bit. And then at the end of the show, I'll be inviting Tony Mango on to uh, talk about Elimination Chamber this upcoming Sunday. Yes, we have another pay-per-view this Sunday in the form of Elimination Chamber. He is the owner and founder of Smartout Moment, as well as a featured columnist for uh, Bleacher Report, so we'll be having him on the show for the first time ever to preview and give our predictions and picks for this Sunday's pay-per-view. So I'm looking forward to that. That is shaping up to be one hell of a show. But like I said, we'll kick off today's show. NXT TakeOver Unstoppable this past week, or this past Wednesday, and, you know, these NXT live specials just never cease to amaze me. Like, every single one. I think by this point we've had six, I want to say. We had NXT Arrival in February 2014. The first ever takeover in May of last year. We had the one in September, Fatal 4-Way. The one in December, so that's four right there. The R Evolution show, which, like I said before, is my favorite. Um, the one in February, the Rival show. And now, just most recently, Unstoppable. So that's six shows. And who would have thunk that all six shows would have been you know, above and beyond great, all six of them, I mean, you can rank each one, which one was better than the other, but you know, it's it's difficult, because all six of them have been awesome in their own right, for one reason or another, and I think this continued that strong, uh, this strong streak of great shows, um, so I really enjoyed these NXT specials, I mean, and it's funny too, because around this time last year, and the network's been around since February of 2014, Right around when, I mean, only days after the uh, the network launched, we had the NXT TakeOver special. We had the NXT Arrival special, um, the first ever live in-ring program on WWE Network, and it was great. And I mean, around that period in time, I talked with John last week, he was not a regular viewer of NXT. I mean, we didn't really talk about NXT all that much when I saw him, whenever I saw him. And it wasn't until, I want to say, September, when he tuned into the Fatal 4-Way show, and he saw that main event, and then he started to get hooked. I don't think he became a regular viewer of the show, but he did become a semi-regular viewer of NXT each week. And the show never disappoints. And I mean, I'm assuming that most of you listening to this are regular viewers of NXT. Um, you know, we, we are, are all hardcore fans. You're going to have to be a hardcore fan in order to listen to this show, I would imagine. Um, but, you know, NXT is, is one reason to like wrestling right now. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who are just... You know, um, disenchanted, I guess is the word, a good word there, uh, is a fitting word, uh, a fitting term to use when it comes to some people's passion for pro wrestling. And, you know, that's fine. I mean, I've only been around as a wrestling fan, that is, since 2008. And I tell people that all the time in terms of, you know, listen, how long I've been watching this product, because it was nothing compared to what it was in the late 90s, early 2000s even. But, you know, in, in the recent years since the revamping of NXT, we're coming up on the three-year anniversary of when it moved over to Full Sail University, it's amazing how much, how far NXT has come. I know this is a little bit off topic from the NXT Live special, and we'll get to that in a second, but I was thinking just yesterday, you know, three or four years ago, NXT was an absolute joke, and I don't stress, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that, because, 
you go back and watch not even only NXT Redemption, which was the epitome of a joke, but you go back to the second or third season of that show. When it first came about, you know, NXT was something innovative, it was something new, it was billed as being live television, live reality TV, in which it wasn't, let's not fool ourselves here, NXT in its original form for the first season was not reality TV, you know, it was throwaway matches every single week with people we had, we had, we knew nothing about, um, you know, people just degrading their rookies and dumb challenges, drink sodas and obstacle courses and all this other garbage, you know, NXT has come so, so far since then, and then the latter seasons were not any good as well, like the Diva season, which did have promise, was treated like an absolute joke, you know, it was perceived by the fans to be uh, nothing but a joke, because that's how the commentators, how the producers, how Vince McMahon treated that show, you know, what, that's what it devolved into, like it wasn't a joke from the beginning, but that's kind of what it became um, in, in due time, and it was like that for many years before they went over to Full Sail University in the summer of 2012, and from that point forward, I just remember reading the news that they were scrapping NXT Redemption after, I think, maybe a, a year or two run. I think it was a year and a half year run. And from that point forward, they'd be filming NXT exclusively exclusively from the Full Sail University Arena in... Uh, not It's not Orlando, is it? I think it is in Orlando. I'm not exactly sure. From Winter Park, Florida, or whatever it is. Live from Florida. And it would be featuring the talents of Florida Championship Wrestling, WWE's then developmental program, or then developmental territory, and I was pumped because it was finally we were getting fresh faces in the form of Bray Wyatt, Seth Rollins, Paige, The Ascension, all of whom are on the main roster now and flourishing, maybe with the exception of The Ascension. But, you know, you go back to that, that crop of NXT talent that debuted in this summer of 2012 when NXT first became what it is now. And it's amazing to see all the talents that have, you know, that we've what we've gotten, what they've, that they've blossomed into over the last three years. Like I said, Rollins... The current WWE World Heavyweight Champion, Bray Wyatt, faced The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Paige, now a two-time Divas Champion in the matter of a year. You know, it's an, it's an absolutely incredible to see how far NXT is common. Um, if you're not already watching, I think that was the point I was trying to make. That was the point I was trying to make. I think, you know, if you're not already watching, start with this show. I mean, if you aren't, if you aren't already watching, you should have been, and, then, and shame on you. But there is no better place to start than with the Unstoppable Special absolutely amazing it's you know NXT has been great for so so long but it only continues to get better and that's the thing it's not ever and and, and, and there's no signs of it slowing down at any point in the near future and that show this show unstoppable was evident of that I just enjoyed it through and through and like I always say the hashtag the future is now in the form of NXT I mean if it wasn't already apparent by looking at the current crop of superstars in the main roster look no further than the current crop of talent on the NXT roster from Finn, ba- from Finn Balor to Tyler Breeze to Hideo Tommy, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Samoa Joe, which I'll get to in a minute, Sasha Banks, Charlotte Bailey, Becky Lynch. The future is now, people. Now, it was, like I said, very evident with this past week's Unstoppable special live on the WWE Network. So kicking off the show, in a number one contenders match to crown a new number one contender to the NXT Championship, it was Finn Balor, Finn Balor, whatever you want to call him, versus Tyler Breeze. In a pretty good match, it wasn't a match that blew me away or anything like that, but what did blow me away was or were the entrances of these two combatants. Tyler Breeze comes out, and you know, Tyler Breeze is an interesting one. I get questions all the time for the hashtag AskJSM mailbag um, for the Monday videos over on YouTube, 
what I think about Tyler Breeze and his future in WWE as a main roster performer. Will people take it seriously? Will he be treated as the next Fandango, the next Joke, the next Santino? You know, I can't say that he won't be. I can't say that he will be because we'll never really know. Um, you know, we you expect anything when it comes to WWE pro wrestling, whatever. You can never really, you can make an educated guess, but you can never really um, rightfully assume because, you know, anything is possible, whether it be good or bad or whatever. Anything is possible in wrestling, especially WWE. Uh, but I think Tyler Breeze, I mean, I think his breakout match came almost exactly a year ago in that match against Sami Zayn on the take on the first ever TakeOver special, the number one contenders match, and, you know, another, another number one contenders match in which he won. And the guy, although he has a good gimmick, I mean, I'm not, good gimmick or not, I mean, whatever, whatever you want to think about it, the guy is a great in-ring talent. He's a great in-ring athlete. What he can accomplish in that ring, what he's capable of, is just absolutely incredible. And then you put him in there with the right people in the form of Neville, Sami Zayn, Balor, Hideo Itami. It doesn't matter. He's going to knock it out of the park. And he has every single special he's been on. So it's great to see. And when he eventually does get promoted, will he be treated like a joke? I mean, it's very possible. But I would sure as hell hope not because the guy has a lot of promise. And I think he can be very, very good. Granted, he did not win this matchup, but he did have a... Um, he, he did look strong in the feet, but I think what I was getting to him before was the entrances of both guys. So Tyler Breeze comes out on a runway-like entrance, you know, taking selfies with all these other models on the runway, which I, I heard, I read a report that one of them was Sarita from TNA. And I mean, I heard former knockout in the headline. I mean, I mean, it wasn't, you know, Sarita isn't a very notable knockout. She was in TNA for a few years. I don't know whatever happened to her either. I know she was, she left maybe in 2011, 2012, I want to say, and she really has not been doing much since then, I don't think. But um, that was cool to hear that she was at the show. So yeah, Tyler Breeze comes out, does the runaway or does the uh, runway entrance. That was pretty cool. And then out comes Finn Balor. You know, I say this all the time, but the guy is an absolute star. I mean, if you don't believe me, go back and watch this entrance. I said that for the first time when I watched him at the. I mean, I saw him when he when he made his NXT debut back in October, but. When he made his entrance and debut that face paint at the R Evolution show, another reason why I love that show so much, I you know the first word, the first thing that came to my head when watching that entrance was that this guy was a total star, that he will be a breakout uh, a breakout star when he eventually gets to the main roster, um, which hopefully will be sooner rather than later. The guy is just so damn good, you know, not only in the ring but he knows his character, he knows his his star like presence. And he comes out with that entrance, which is, you know, it's the same character. It's the same demon-like character. But, you know, and I made the comparison on Twitter that it kind of reminds me of Jeff Hardy when he used to do his face paint. But the thing with Jeff Hardy and the difference between him and Finn Balor, I mean, maybe early on when Jeff Hardy started using it and like late 08 when he used it, he'd become a more aggressive competitor. Like at one point I thought he like turned heel because he like smacked Triple H with a chair or something like that. But he was only becoming more aggressive. I mean, I was a very naive wrestling fan at that period in time. But, you know, and I, and I said that Jeff Hardy's face paint got to a point, or is at a point where he uses it so much that it doesn't feel as special as it once did. You know, he would save it for the big pay-per-views, but now, I don't know if he still does it now. I can't remember. Um, he's out with an injury right now after he broke his leg. But, you know, as of a couple months ago, he was still using it all the time. And it got to the point of just not being special because we saw him with face paint every single show. Every single TNA show, every single pay-per-view, it just wasn't special anymore. So now that Finn Balor does it, I like the fact that he does not have it as a regular thing. You know, in his standard matches in NXT, save it for the big for the big stages, like the big specials 
WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, whatever. Save it for the special occasions, and it will mean more. You know, the fact that these pa- these people are chanting "Holy shit" during an entrance of a performer is, you know, surreal. When was the last time? I mean, someone replied, said the last <laughs> the last Finn Balor entrance. When was the last time you heard a "Holy shit" chant during someone's entrance? You know, it, it's incredible how much star power this guy has, and he's only been in NXT for a couple months, for about six, seven months by this point. That's why I hope he's he's main roster bound before long, as the guy is. Just absolutely sensational. So yeah, the match itself was good, uh, pretty good that that is. And you know, the, the pretty among the highlights was Finn Balor jumping off the um, the Titan Tron like stage or whatever it was, jumping from an escalated um I don't even a platform a podium I guess you can call it I don't even know what to call it on um, the stage I I don't even I don't even remember but it was something that was elevated and he jumped off the side of it. People were chanting holy shit. It was a pretty cool spot. And then, you know, the match itself was pretty good. Some nice back-and-forth action. The outcome was never really in doubt, you know, because I kind of figured that Kevin Owens would retain, and that would mean that Finn Balor would become the number one contender again. And I, and I do think the matchup probably would have been better. I mean, it was a great match, but I think the matchup probably would have been, you know, would have benefited from Hideo Itami's, um involvement. And like I said before, he was taken out with an injury. Not taken out, but he came down with a shoulder injury, I want to say, a couple weeks ago. And as of right now, from the last thing that I read anyway, he, he looks to be out for the next six to eight months. Hopefully he can heal quickly in John Cena-like fashion and hurry back because the guy is also great. Hideo Tommy has also come a long way since his NXT debut back in September. And, you know, seeing those three guys go, you know, one-on-one-on-one would have been awesome. And hopefully we could see that match down the line, maybe for the NXT Championship when Fimbalore eventually wins it. But, you know, at some point, um, that, w- that would be a great match to see. But, yeah, the guy is very good. And I like the way they did it, too, because I know Triple H did confirm in conference calls and whatever else that Hideo Tommy was injured. and But they never really made it official, storyline-wise. He was still being billed for the bout going into the live special. And then when Fimbalor and Tyler Breeze were making their entrance, the commentators revealed footage of a Tommy being attacked outside in the parking lot before the show. I mean, he was laying down, and the, the footage was not of him being attacked. But they show him being tended to by officials, by medical officers, medical employees, whatever. And then you just see Kevin Owens just walk by and says, oh, that's a shame, or whatever he said, and it was pretty great. Um, I mean, that, that's a few they could do down the line. Kevin Owens versus Hideo Tommy for the NXT Championship. If Kevin Owens is still going to be on you know, NXT by the time Tommy comes back by this point, I don't really know, considering he's going to be facing John Cena this Sunday. He's the current NXT champion. You know, he's got so much going on for him right now. I don't even know if that's a few they want to do. But I think it would be cool, though. Um, I don't know who else it would be. Maybe a Tyler Breeze, but we already saw that feud a couple months ago. I think Kevin Owens versus Hideo Tommy. I, I don't think a match we haven't... I, I think it's a match we haven't not seen yet. I don't think they've done that in NXT. I know they've done Balor versus Owens and Neville versus Owens. I don't think they've done a Tommy versus Owens yet. And, you know, they revealed... or They had him do the GTS um, finishing maneuver over WrestleMania weekend in the show, or at the show in San Jose, after months and months and months of teasing it. And to save that moment for a televised program anyway, on an episode of NXT or one of the live specials, when he eventually does, or hopefully wins the NXT championship, and he hits um, Owens with that GTS, and he wins the belt, you know, that would be phenomenal if they could do that. So I would love to see something like that eventually down the line. If he was to finally hit that move, in a um in a big fight feel situation where he wins the title, I think that would be if you save that moment for a televised program anyway, for when he eventually wins that title, that would be you know sensational. But a good match to kick off the show. I enjoyed it for what it was. 
Up next, a women's tag team match, pinning Charlotte and Bailey versus Dana Brooke and Emma. And a pretty good match for what it was. It wasn't anything too special. It didn't need to be special. I mean, the match barely got any build as it was. They had some brief altercation backstage between Charlotte and Dana Brooke. They'll probably be doing that feed pretty soon. And then they've been doing the whole feed between Bailey and Emma as of late. So, I mean, and it, the fact they had two women's match on the show at all was excellent. And that's not even counting the angle that we got later on in the show in the tag team title match also involving two other women that I have not yet mentioned. So that's how you know that's how great the <laughs> the state of women's wrestling is right now at NXT. You know, miles and miles above, you know, a country mile better than uh the Divas division right now. But that's another rant for another day and you don't need me to tell you that. But still, I thought this was a good match. I enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, Charlotte and Bailey coming out victorious, and I like their chemistry too. Whether they're opponents or tag team partners, and fun fact for you too, it was Bailey and Charlotte. It was Bailey who was Charlotte's first ever match in NXT back in August of 2013. These two were quote unquote best friends from the start. They had that backstage segment where Bailey was so. Um, taken aback by Charlotte being Ric Flair's daughter. So they had a match, and they were kind of buddy-buddy for a while before Charlotte turned on Bailey to join the BFFs, um, Summer Rae and Sasha Banks. So these two have a lot of history together, which I always enjoy. But, uh, yeah, it was a good match for what it was. Dana Brooke, you know, the biggest fear that I had going into this matchup was that Dana Brooke would not be able to hold her own. I'm still on the fence about her. I think the character is okay. The constantly touching her of herself, I know that didn't come out right, but she's always like touching her body and just weird gyrations and whatever in the ring. I mean, to do it once or twice is fine, but to, for that to be the only thing, the only taunt that you know, it's going to get tiresome after a while, and it already has, so hopefully she could stop doing that. She didn't do that here, I didn't notice it anyway, but she has when she's on her own in singles matches, so hopefully that does not become a regular thing going forward. But yeah, I think, I think she is a work in progress. She's not terrible. She's not good, but she's a work in progress, though. And um, yeah, she held her own here. She wasn't terrible. They had Emma do most of the in-ring work, and she got pinned, which was fine because Dana Brooke is the one they're trying to push, so I understand why Emma got the pin here. And, and Emma's great, too. I mean, don't let her main roster work fool you. She's a great talent. They just never really give her the time of day, never give her the chance to go out there and showcase her skills. Because she's always being out there, you know, she's always out there just to be utilized as an enhancement talent, so it's a shame, but, you know, she's doing pretty well, you know, she's she's a great athlete, I mean, she's doing pretty well for herself in NXT, and then I think it's time for Charlotte to be called up, I mean, there's no excuse why she isn't already up there, um, I, I'm shocked she's still done in NXT to begin with, and I mean, and it's funny too, because I was thinking about this the other day, that when Charlotte had her debut match on Raw, the win, or the Monday before the uh, December special, when she faced Natalia in that two-minute weird match at the Slammy Awards, that, that abortion of a match or whatever it was, for the two minutes they were given, and Natalya won, I don't know what happened there. And then Triple H said in the conference call, I think the next day or the day after that or whatever, that um you know in six months when she's called up, people won't remember that. And I remember hearing him say that, I'm thinking, six months? She should be up in the next month? And, and not even, you know, if that. And it pretty much almost has been six months. I mean, it's late May as I record this, and that was five months ago, so maybe they are waiting for, you know, that six-month mark after all, and I can't understand why, you know, she's already won the NXT Women's title, she had a great run with that championship, there's no really, there's no real reason why she has to, um, you know, stick around in NXT, maybe to do the feud with Dana Brooke, and hopefully she puts over Dana Brooke on her way out before going to the main roster, and Lord knows that we need more fresh blood in the Divas division right now in, in WWE in the main roster. You know, with AJ gone, Paige is back, which is cool. But, you know, and, and 
Naomi's doing pretty well for herself, and Nikki Bella's a good in-ring athlete. She's come a long way, but, you know, where do you go after Elimination Chamber? On Sunday, we have a triple threat match for the Divas title, Nikki versus Naomi versus Paige, and then maybe they'll do, I, I assume Naomi's winning the belt. I mean, there's no real reason why Paige should win it back so soon. Um, Naomi should win it, in my opinion, probably pinning Paige or something. At the next pay-per-view, you could do Nikki versus Naomi or Paige versus Naomi, but then where do you go from there? Because none of the other women mean anything. I know they have Total Divas and all that other crap. I mean, I, I watch the show. I enjoy it for what it is. And I do think it has, you know, done better. I think it has um, only improved the women's division in WWE. I know that's not a popular opinion, but I feel like it has. And given some of those women were TV time. But a lot of the people on that show, Cameron, I think, got, just got booted off. She's not even on TV. I was talking to John last week. He didn't watch Superstars or Main Event or whatever, so he didn't even know if she was even still employed. And then Eva Marie, I think, is, th- is coming back from an injury. She's doing better, but you know, I, I'm not ready to see her in the title picture so quickly either. And then Emma's being wasted in the main roster. She's doing well in NXT, but, you know, I don't know. There's just so many women right now. Ro- Rosa Mendez is a waste of space. You know, there, there's so many women that don't mean anything. They could try to make mean something to become a contender for that championship, but I think it'd just be better to call up Charlotte. She's done in NXT anyway. It's time for her to be called up. Um, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, maybe as soon as next Monday after the pay-per-view, we'll have to wait and see, but um, hopefully in due time, because she deserves to be in the main roster and in contention for that Divas Championship. Moving right along here, we had Rhino versus Baron Corbin, and I didn't think this was a terrible match. A lot of people were crapping all over. I didn't think it was that bad. It wasn't great, but it was sure as hell Baron Corbin's best match probably ever in NXT from what I've seen anyway. Just the guy, I mean, you know, Triple H said, I think in a conference call on Tuesday, that he has yet to show us what he's truly capable of. We've not seen all that that Baron Corbin has to offer. But, you know, the guy's been in NXT for almost seven months by this point. He really has not shown me anything other than the one-dimensional kicking and punching and brawling. And maybe that's just the kind of competitor that he is. And I think the guy has a cool presence about him. He comes off like a total badass. And I think he works better as a heel than as a babyface. But... In, in ring-wise, though, he has a lot... There, there's so much left to be desired. You know, and hopefully he improves in time. And it is developmental, after all. I'm not going to shit on the guy. You know, this is the, the, the training, you know, the, the place where people go to get better before they get to the main roster. And Rhino, too, I don't think it's the credit he deserves. I mean, I know some people enjoy him there. I love Rhino in NXT. I love Rhino. I think he's a great in-ring talent. I think he's a great asset to the NXT brand. You know, I don't think... He needs, and a lot of people ask me, do I think he's going to be main roster bound? I don't think so. I don't think there's any need for that to happen. You know, the guy only comes in to do a match every once in a while in NXT, you know, to put over the younger guys like Sami Zayn and Baron Corbin. But then after that, there's no reason for him to stick around. You know, other than that, uh, on the main roster, what is he going to do? He's going to be like Rob Van Dam, but Rob Van Dam, uh, Rob Van Dam works a more regular schedule than him. You know, Rhino's only being brought in. He still works indie dates, so he would not be able to do that if he worked the main roster. I would imagine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's he's serving a purpose, and I think people can take to him. He's over, people like him, so I think he's serving his purpose quite well right now in NXT. But yeah, the match was lackluster, and it was probably made to look worse than it actually was, considering you know how great this show was and all, you know how all the other matches were pretty good to great to awesome. So it's probably why this was kind of like the the worst of the bunch. But yeah, for what it was, I'm fine with it. And I noted this on Twitter too. And that would not, would it not be cool? And I mean, I hate the whole, let's bring back ECW. It's not because I hate ECW. It's because we get the same fucking angle done to death every few years. Whether it's WWE or TNA, someone is always doing it. And it's gotten to the point of just being ridiculous. But in this case, I would excuse it. I don't want to sound like a hypocrite. But I think in this case, it might work. 
if Baron Corbin was to call out, you know, to continue to go after ECW Originals. I know they brought in Tommy Dreamer for one of their shows in Philly last week, which was pretty freaking cool. Um, and also very surprising considering like he's a current agent for like TNA or something. I don't know if he's under contract to them, but I know he's, you know, he's associated with TNA right now. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, so he took out Tommy Dreamer. He took out Rhino this past week. What if this was to build to a Bully Ray return or a Bubba Ray return? Whatever you want to call him. I think the fact they are not doing anything with Bubba Ray or the Dudley Boys right now is mind boggling. The guy had a great showing in the Royal Rumble. He was over as all hell, and I'm not just putting that on Philly, because if they were anywhere else, he probably still would have gone as big or close to as big of a pop um, anywhere else if the Rumble was held, um, you know, other than Philadelphia. So the guy has a lot more to offer. If they watched, and I don't know if they do, his TNA work, they would know the guy as a singles competitor can shine. But even in a tag team with the Dudley Boys, it would be pretty freaking cool to see the Dudley Boys back in WWE, and hopefully at some point. But to my point, though, what the point that I was trying to make was that if they brought him back to, you know, have Baron Corbin beat all these ECW originals, and this all builds to a Bubba Ray returned in NXT, which would be cool. I mean, if they're not going to use him on the main roster, why not just use him in NXT? The guy can put over the younger stars, you know, kind of do his Bully Ray shtick that he was doing in, uh, you know, TNA for a while, where he shined and had the best um, run of his probably his entire career, other than his tag team stuff, obviously. And, you know, bringing him back, I think, bringing him into the fold, I think, would be useful. It would be beneficial, be good for him, good for the fans, see him again, and good for whoever he works with. It's a, it's a win-win-win situation, so why they're not using him is beyond me. Up next for the NXT Tag Team Titles, Blake and Murphy defending against Enzo Amore and Colin Cassidy. A good match by NXT standards, and I say that, I mean, the only glaring weakness, the only glaring flaw that NXT has right now is its tag team division. And it's not terrible, but it's not good. I mean, the tag team division, you can poop on all you want on the main roster, but it is ten times in better shape than it is right now in NXT. And NXT's tag team division has never been great. Even when they brought in the tag team titles and they implemented those championships, about two or three years ago, I think in um, April of 2013, I want to say. You know, even then, they don't have many tag teams. And they need to put more people together that they're not doing anything with. And just give them a run with those belts. You know, they have Enzo and Colin, and then they have Blake and Murphy. And I know they have the Full Nation, or the Shoot Nation, I guess they're called. And I heard they're breaking up, but they also have the Vaude Villains. And they're not really, they haven't been on TV in months. So, yeah, they need more tag teams. I think the tag team division, you know, needs all the help it can get. And the matches, often, more often than not, are not good. Um, the tag team matches in NXT, for the division anyway. I mean, like, if you have a tag team match main event, it's more than likely good. But I'm talking about, you know, any match involving, you know, the championships is not typically good. Um, but I thought this was a good match, though. I think Enzo and Colony kind of, Enzo, Enzo, excuse me, and Colin Cassidy pulled out a few more maneuvers that we have not seen from them before. And then Blake and Murphy, I think, are a good team. I'm more, I'm higher on Murphy than I am Blake. I think, you know, Blake just kind of screams generic to me. Murphy, to maybe some extent for some people, but to me, I mean, the whole, I don't know what it was. I think it might have been a promo that he cut. I don't even know if it's still on YouTube, but he cut a promo in promo class before he came to NXT about two or three years ago. And he has an Australian accent. He was talking about he wasn't here to entertain you. And, are oh, you not entertained? Oh, that, that's Seamus' thing. But, um, yeah, he was cutting some shoot promo. And, you know, it was a great freaking promo. And I was surprised they never allowed him to do that on NXT TV before pairing him off with Blake 
um, uh, whatever his name was. I can't Wesley Blake. So I, I don't know. I think Murphy's really good. I think he could be really good on his own when he eventually breaks off from Blake. But I think the tag team also has potential. But yeah, a good tag team title match. Enzo Amore, Enzo Amore, and Colin Cassidy were close to being. Um, tag team champions before Alexa Bliss got involved. She distracted Colin Cassidy. Enzo Amore got flipped off the top rope by her. Um, Blake and Murphy pick up the win and retain the NXT tag team titles. So Alexa Bliss officially turns heel. And like I said before, I love how that we have three different women's angles on developmental TV. This isn't even the main roster. We have Alexa Bliss versus Carmella. We have Charlotte versus Dana Brooke. We have Becky versus uh, Banks, and even if you four, if you want to count Emma versus Bailey. So a lot of cool things right now happening with the women in NXT, and I could not be happier for them. I think it's great. So I love that, or you know, lo- love the current state of the women's division in NXT right now, and a good tag team title match. And hopefully Enzo and Colin will be called up before long. You know, win those belts and then be called up. Because like I said on Twitter, I mean, Colin Cassidy said in that E60 special, or, or special, or at least in a an excerpt or a behind-the-scenes clip or whatever, that he's been with WWE in developmental before it was NXT for five years, which blows me away. You know, I never knew this guy was in WWE for that long. And I remember watching NXT for the first few, you know, for the first, or getting back into it in the summer of 2013, and these guys were just getting started. You know, most people aren't in NXT for as long as they were. I mean, Neville was, Zayn still is. So, I mean, but I think these guys are ready for the main roster that, you know, Begs the question, who's going to fill up their, their spot when they leave? Um, we have, you know, so few tag teams as it is. But I enjoyed the match, and we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Up next for the NXT Women's Championship, Sasha Banks defending against Becky Lynch in an absolutely outstanding match. Really, really enjoyed it. And, I mean, this has really come as any surprise. These guys, these girls, these gals, rather, are just so freaking great. Not only in the ring. I mean, you have your pages. You have your AJ Lees. You have all the women in the main roster who are great in-ring athletes. But what separates the women in NXT from the main roster is their character development. And I told John about this on Sunday when I saw him, but Becky Lynch made her debut in NXT, I don't know what month, but I know last summer. And while she impressed me from an in-ring standpoint, I didn't really care too much, to be quite honest with you. I mean, you know, she was good in the ring, but as the character... We really hadn't been given a reason to care. You know, she came in doing the jig, the whole Irish stereotype. She dropped that gimmick. She aligned with, with, with Sasha Banks, and she showed more of an edge than she ever than she ever had before. And in becoming more aggressive, she became more of a threat, and then they kind of turned her a tweener baby face a couple weeks ago with the whole video package on her, which I thought was phenomenal, giving us kind of a glimpse into her background, why she so desperately wanted to win the NXT Women's Championship, and then Banks is Banks. You know, she's, she's so great, and, you know, when I was talking with John about this, even he loves her as well. There's just something about her that screams it factor. She is the boss, you know, literally and figurally, figured, I mean, maybe not literally, but, you know, she is the boss of the women right now in NXT. She is so great, and she's been firing in all cylinders as a character, as an in-ring performer, and just having that it factor, and the same thing like with Becky two years ago. And I mean, it might have been, might have been one of the first matches, if not the first match uh, that I started watching when I started watching NXT again about two years ago in the summer of 2013. It was her versus Summer Rae. And I just didn't care. She came off like a very generic vanilla wrestler, um, uh, you know, kind of a generic babyface. And once she turned heel, 
she honed her character, got it over, and she's been awesome ever since. And she's another one that's kind of ready for the main roster and has been for quite some time. But yeah, love the match. I love the storytelling too. I thought it was a good match early on, but they really kicked it up, uh, you know, down the line. They really kicked it up a notch in, in the latter part, in the little ha- the latter half, excuse me, of the matchup down the stretch with the storytelling with Sasha Banks focusing in and targeting the arm of Becky Lynch, who is, you know, freaking flexible, crazy flexible. She could do things with her arms that I never thought a human being could, and you know, just getting smacked right down on the ring apron in a brutal spot. And, you know, she's going up to the top rope, holding her arm, holding her arm. It's pretty weak. Sasha jumps up and targets the arm with a, um, I don't even know what you call it. She did a double, it's just like a code breaker to her arm. I know there's a name for it. I just can't think of it off the top of my head. She hits her finisher. She makes Becky tap out. Sasha Banks, still your women's champion. Becky walks out to an applause, um, a bravo from the crowd, right? A round of applause from the audience, from the crowd in full sale, which was pretty awesome. A standing ovation is the word that I'm looking for. You know, it just goes, and they were singing her theme song too, which was pretty funny. But you know, it goes to show how much these these fans respect women's wrestling and how it could realistically main event one of these specials one day. I mean, it could, but the thing is, is that you know these feuds that we've been getting on every single NXT special are so big. There's no way that they can't main event. You know, if we get a throwaway match on one of these specials one of these days, which I don't know when that's gonna be. But you know, I, I but if we do, if we do, then the women can main events, and I think it would be great. I don't know about, you know, Charlotte saying that the women can main event a pay-per-view. Maybe a Raw again. I would love to see that. A pay-per-view is very risky. But like I've said before, though, I don't think it's completely out of the question. Because, you know, I was thinking not too long, and I've said this before, and that Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose, you know, Ambrose and Rollins as well, were given the main event slot at both Hell in a Cell and TLC. You know, at TLC, they easily could have given that, that main event slot to Cena and Rollins, or another one of the big matches on that show, but they didn't. They gave it to Ambrose and Wyatt, and I was very happy with that. Because I feel like, you know, now with the network, it doesn't matter who's main eventing. You don't have to bill it as the main event, because people that are subscribed are going to watch the pay-per-view anyway. So they're not, they don't care about pay-per-view buy rates. They care about subscribers. But with the network, they can really kind of change up the formula of who kicks off the show, who ends the show. And that's what I love about the pay-per-views being on the network. So, that being said, I'm not saying it's, you know, something we should expect to see at any point in the near future. But if they were to build up a meaningful women's angle, like they did last year, I mean, it's not completely out of the question. We saw it last summer with Brie Bella and, and Stephanie. Could that have made an event to SummerSlam? Probably not. I mean, it's better that it didn't, obviously, given the whole thing with John Cena and Brock Lesnar. But a B pay-per-view? Absolutely. I don't see why it can't happen. And, you know, people will say the Divas aren't marketable and whatever. It's just, you know, just business from a standpoint that they can never main event a pay-per-view. You know, maybe for a WrestleMania, I understand that, but why not a B pay-per-view? If you build it up as a dream match and you had, you know, the, uh, I don't know, Charlotte versus Nikki Bella or Charlotte versus Paige down the line, a match that we never really got to see, by the way, in NXT, because Paige was called up right around the time that Charlotte was kind of getting back into the ring after she got injured in late 2013, you build that up as a big freaking deal, we could have a main event match between those two at a battleground or something, you know? If the world title match is only, like, you know, Ambrose, or Rollins, excuse me, versus Ryback, or a Ziggler, then you can main event the the show with the Divas. If it's built up the right way, you don't give them five minutes, you give them the right amount of time, it's possible. I would love to see something like that. I I think it could be great. And um, like I said, don't expect it at any point in the near future, but given how high Triple H is in women's wrestling, and I know Vince McMahon is not, and Kale Kim went so far to say that that he was sexist this past week on Twitter, which I thought was pretty comical, and truthful for, for a matter of fact as well. But, you know, with Triple H being so high in women's wrestling as seen in NXT and whatever else, don't rule it out. 
just yet. I'll say that much. I don't rule out the possibility of divas, of women, main eventing a WWE pay-per-view. I think it could be in the cards if done properly. So then we get to the main event, the NXT Championship match between champion Kevin Owens and challenger Sami Zayn. I'll try to speed this up because I didn't think I was going to be spending so much time talking about NXT TakeOver Unstoppable, but it's that great of a show, people. If you saw this show, you understand why, but I didn't think I was going to spend you know, almost four-fifths of this show talking about NXT TakeOver, but still, though, um, I'll talk about the main event pretty quickly here. And I already expressed my thoughts about this. Um, and more in, in depth on my video blog on YouTube from this past week, welcoming Samoa Joe to the WWE, which I'll get to in a second. So if you want more thoughts on that, go check out the video blog. But the main event itself, though, I thought was good. You know, not the greatest main event that we've ever seen. It was a pretty good match. The only thing that bothered me, though, two things. One was that the non-finish. Um, you know, the thing that always bothers me with the main roster is that they don't even bother. It's like if they don't care to announce who the winner is, like they don't announce an official ending to the match. The match could still be going on right now. The NXT title match, Owens and Zayn are still fighting in the uh, in full sale right now. Is that if they don't care to announce the, the finish of the match officially by ringing the bell, then why should we care? Why should the fans care? You know, that's my little nitpick there. But not only that, though, I mean, not only that too, but I mean, also considering the fact that the last special also ended with Owens beating Zayn, not by pinfall, but by knockout. And they almost kind of did the same thing here with the exception of the bell not being rung. What was the harm in just pinning Sami Zayn? I love Sami Zayn, but him taking a loss here. The guy lost how many specials in a row? Three or four specials in a row before finally winning that championship? It's not going to do him any harm. The guy was on his way out anyway. From what I understand, he's going to be out with injured for the next several months. So, you know, why not just have him get pinned? You could still do the angle afterwards anyway. But just having him, you know, not announcing an official ending and then not having him get pinned and the, the no contest thing, that kind of bothered me a little bit, uh, just slightly. But um, the match was still very good, though. You could feel the animosity between these two longtime rivals, these longtime friends in Zayn and Owens. So I thought that was great. So before Owens could inflict any more damage on Sami Zayn, out comes none other than Samoa Joe, which took me completely by surprise. You know, because they were rumoring it, they were, there was a lot of rumors, there was a lot of speculation as to whether he might show up on this show. Me, personally, I did not believe it. I thought there was a slight chance, and I figured, you know, with all the rumors and with with him hinting it and whatever, that there was a chance we would see him in WWE, but not this soon. I mean, he still was accepting any bookings, he still is accepting any bookings through the rest of the summer, and I guess he's worked out a deal where he could still do that. In fact, he's going to a Northeast Wrestling show, you know, the indie promotion I regularly attend from time to time. He's going to be at one of their shows on August 1st in Fishkill, New York, I think it is, at their SummerSlam-like show, um, Wrestling Under the Stars. And I'm hoping to go to that show. I don't think I will be, but it would be awesome, though, considering he's, you know, a, a part of the NXT roster right now. So Samoa Joe comes out, like I said, taking me by complete surprise. If anyone was going to come out, I figured it would either be you know, Uhua Nation, who they showed in the crowd and got a big pop. Um, from the audience, which was awesome. He's going to be a big star when he eventually you know, makes his debut. We have no idea what his name is going to be. Uh, he, that has not been announced. Unless his name is coming soon, we have no idea what <laughs> what is that. That would be a great name. We have no idea what his NXT in-ring name will be. So I figured either Uhan Nation or maybe a Neville or a Balor. I don't know, somebody. And then the music hits. And once the unfamiliar music hit, I figured it was Samoa Joe. Place comes unglued. And then Joe and Owen just come face-to-face, an absolutely surreal moment. And like I said, I go more in-depth with this in my latest video blog on YouTube from Friday, welcoming Samoa Joe to the WWE. If you want to get my 15-minute thoughts on that, I just don't have enough time right now. Just, it was 
absolutely unreal. Like, I never honestly thought I would see the day that I would see Samoa Joe in a WWE ring. And at last, at long last, it has come. That day has arrived, and it was fucking awesome. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even exaggerating when I say it was fucking cool um, to see those guys come face to face. I mean, that's a dream match waiting to happen, Owens versus Joe. I mean, now it brings up, and I wrote an article about this on Bleach Report a couple months ago, right after the news kind of got started that Joe might be WWE bound. All the potential dream matches that we could see with Samoa Joe and WWE, from John Cena, who I know he's very good friends with in real life, to, you know, Randy Orton, who I know, who I know for a fact, I know he talked about this either on JR's podcast or Jericho's podcast, you know, one person I would like to work with in WWE, he said Randy Orton, which was pretty interesting, and then Brock Lesnar is the money match. Take my money right now, WWE. You know, I don't know if it's ever going to main event WrestleMania. Someone asked me that in this week's hashtag SCSM video on YouTube. I don't know about main event of WrestleMania caliber, but if we were able to see that match at all on a, on a main event of a pay-per-view or just in the dark match or on an episode of Superstars or something, I need to see Lesnar versus Samoa Joe in WWE. Take my money right now, WWE. I need to see that match. So that was incredible. Joe comes down, stands face-to-face with Kevin Owens, and then Owens just kind of walks off, comes back, and then walks off again to Father of the Year chance. So that was pretty uh, That was pretty hysterical. But, yeah, just what an ending to the show. And while I did not like the ending of the match, I mean, it did not, you know, bother me immensely, but I thought it wasn't what it should have been. You know, I, you know NXT, though, they, they always have a way of booking things right, so I'm not going to shit on the booking here because I feel like it will lead to something later down the line. And they're obviously not done with the feud between Zayn and Owens. So they're probably, they didn't want to blow it off here. But um, still, I thought that was great. You know, I thought Joe coming out was easily the highlight of the night, a great way to go off the show and leaving the fans wanting more. I know he cut a promo on, not the app, but like for the website or something and also for the YouTube channel. Afterwards, he did a backstage interview with Renee Young. He cut a promo after the show um, for the live crowd, which again is also on the YouTube channel if you want to check it out. And it's just so cool. He's like, I am professional wrestling and now I am here in NXT. And it gave me chills. Because like I said, I never thought I would see the day that I would see Samoa Joe in WWE, let alone with the name Samoa Joe. And I don't know if I mentioned that in the video blog, but who was the last guy, to my memory anyway, who came into WWE and was able to use their name? You know, uh, I'm not talking about Sting. I'm not talking about any legends. I'm talking about, you know, guys that made themselves on the indie scene. Who was the last guy to be able to use their name? A guy named Phil Brooks, a.k.a. CM Punk, almost 10 years ago when he signed with WWE. 10 years later, Samoa Joe is taking freaking over. No pun intended. I don't know if Joe's going to have enough as much success as, as Punk did in WWE. The guy's 36 at this point, but that doesn't mean he can't be called up to the main roster at some point and just wreak havoc and, and just cause hell. <laughs> just wreak all, you know, chaos. Um, arrive, raise hell, leave, as Stone Cold Steve Austin would say. I'm so excited, not only for Samoa Joe and WWE, just for, you know, the future of NXT in general. Because I think this summer, and I was just texting RJ about this a couple minutes ago, how NXT this summer is shaping up to be so awesome. You know, you have Samoa Joe, you have Kevin Owens and all the things that he's doing right now. You have, you know, all the other new talent, Uha Nation coming in. Sami Zayn and Hideo Tommy will be back pretty soon. Tyler Breeze and Finn Balor are doing their things. Or, you know, they're doing their thing. Enzo Amore and Colin Cassidy are always a great tag team. The women are fucking ripping it up the easily the match on this show. You know, NXT is awesome. You know, a- NXT is fucking cool. <laughs> you don't need me to tell you that. But it is, though. So check it out if you haven't already. Shame on you. So go out of your way to check it out right now while the network is still free for the month of May. 
Um, but it's well worth $9.99 now. Once it eventually goes back to being such, um, it's worth $9.99.99 or almost on whatever almost a hundred dollar almost a hundred dollars is. I would pay that much. Maybe not that much, but you know NXT is close to being you know worth that much on the network. That's how great it is. So I love the show. Really enjoyed it. And um, you know, like I said before, continue the strong streak of awesome NXT live specials, and I'm highly anticipating the one in August. I believe it's on August 12th. I'm going to check right now. It's either on the 12th or the 13th. Obviously, it's on a Wednesday. It is August 12th. Okay, so we got three months until the next one, and like I said, cannot wait for that show to come right here, right now. So in the time that we have left, I mean, I'll talk about this briefly because I'm going to have Tony on in a minute to talk about our Elimination Chamber predictions. But TNN, no Raw review this week, although I did think Raw was good. Um, the open challenge was awesome with, with Zack Ryder interrupting and Kevin Owens coming out and laying out John Cena afterwards. And um, so that was pretty cool. An awesome final show in the Nassau Coliseum in Long Island. So that was nice. But I'll talk about TNA right now. So like I said, the news broke last week that Destination America will be canceling TNA. Reportedly, come September, um, you know, after, o- after only being on the network for a few months. So, of course, nothing is official as of right now, but, you know, here's the whole issue, and I talked about this last week with John and Hashtag AskGSM about how I honestly did not think, and I mean, I've been proven wrong a lot lately with Samoa Joe coming to WWE, Brock Lesnar resigning, I've been proven a lot, I've been proven wrong about a lot of things, though. I, I didn't wish to be proven wrong about this, but it does look like Destination America is, you know, just cutting TNA come September, I know they signed a multi-year deal with them, but they have an out clause in their contract. And I guess they weren't really happy with them going to the United Kingdom, which I thought was fucking dumb when I talked about it, you know, a couple months ago when that report came out. The whole Angle being world champion because he's a former Olympic gold medalist thing, you know, being in the Olympics, he's American, so that, you know, Destination America wants uh, an Olympic gold medalist as their world champion for TNA. Just having complete creative control and all this other bullshit. You know, them not being happy with the ratings. But what do you expect, people? You know, what do you expect? I'm talking to the officials of Destination America. And I'm not putting the full blame on them. TNA has a lot of flaws, which I'll get to in a second. But Destination America can't be... You know, th- th- what, what are they expecting? They're not going to bring in the ratings that Raw does, you know? They, th- it's a network that I had no idea even existed before TNA came around. They saved TNA's ass, so I respect them for that. I commend them for that. But this these officials over there can't expect them to you know, to pop huge ratings. I can't imagine there are other shows, Ghost Hunters, or maybe not Ghost Hunters, or whatever the hell the show is called, to pop huge ratings, because those shows don't do well either. I mean, I don't have the network. I didn't even know it existed before TNA went there. I have to go out of my way to watch the show on Fridays. And that's another thing, too. The show airs on Fridays at 9 o'clock at night. Who's home on I mean, I know, I know SmackDown did... But that's SmackDown, WWE, you're going to go out of your way to watch regardless of what night what, what night it's on. TNA, a struggling brand, should not be on a night that no one can watch, much less, much less on a Friday. There aren't many people out there like me that are, that are going to go out of their way on a Friday night to, to watch TNA on, you know, on a channel that no one either know it exists or has or whatever. So that was their first issue, and I, I feel like, you know, Destination America should have waited a little bit longer to, to see success in the numbers, whatever. So that's one thing. That, that's, you know, both sides are at fault here. That's, that's one thing. And then TNA's reaction to this kind of ruined, I can't even say ruined any credibility they have left because they don't really have much. And I'll get into my defense of TNA in a second, but, you know, Dixie Carter has not commented on this matter at all. Bob Ryder, who is, I think, a talent executive over at TNA, I think, or 
um, vice president of talent relations like Sean Laurinaitis was in WWE. I have no idea. He's a top official over in TNA. And he said, we're not going out of business. You know, people have been saying that for over a decade. Hashtag stand up, which was dumb. And that's what the rising does. And they're incorporating it in a storyline and, and all that other bullshit. Um, but, you know, what I was trying to say. Oh, yeah, he was denying the reports that, that Dave Meltzer put out, a pretty credible source. And these guys are not, you know, they're not out to put Tina out of business or to, you know, slander them or whatever else. These guys are just reporting what they've heard, the facts and stuff like that. They wouldn't be, they would not be reporting this shit if it wasn't true or if at least it wasn't close to being true. And, you know, TNA, you know, denying, not even denying it either. They just said, we, we will pursue legal action for what's been said about us. But not at any point in that little report they put out last week, denying that they're off the network, that they're being canceled by Destination America. It's a lot of, you know, a lot of hush-hush going right now on a TNA. And the same bullshit we saw last year with Spike TV. So why should I believe TNA with all this crap, you know, at least put out a statement saying, you know, it's not true, it is true, before you threaten legal action on anybody. You know, I Dave Meltzer apparently said that he has not been hit with any legal action um, directly. You know, just TNA statement. A lot of, just a lot of bullshit, like I said before. that That is the key word of today's rant on TNA. But not at any point did they deny that was happening. Like I said, the same thing happened with Spike TV last year. And this is not coming from someone that wants to see TNA die. I mean, I hate, you know, to keep on repeating myself, but some people just don't get it. You know, and I, and I made a few tweets about it. You know, it sucks. You know, absolutely. I don't want to see TNA die. I love TNA. This is the same guy that went to my first ever TNA show last August and had a blast in the Manhattan Center in August. This is the same guy that went to the debut show of TNA on that network that they're being canceled by. Destination America in early January, the first Wednesday of the year, and honest to God, the second best wrestling show I've ever attended. Now, I've been to a lot of wrestling shows in my seven years as a fan, and this was the second best I've ever the second best show I've ever been to. It was an amazing night, and I thoroughly enjoyed myself. And I watched TNA every single week I have for the last seven years, and I will continue to watch it until the day it dies. But this company is so poorly managed. It's not the talent; it is the fucking management. They don't know how to manage a goddamn company. I'm not going to put all the heat on Dixie Carter, but whoever is managing this company does not know how to run a successful business. I'm not saying I, I I do, but for one thing, you know, a common, you know, a person with common sense would not put out a statement like that threatening legal action and not denying the claims against them. It's, it's common sense. They made the situation even more embarrassing than it needed to be. You know, so bottom line, and the people that are criticizing TNA for all their crap right now don't want to see it die. Maybe some people do. I, I never understand that. I want to see wrestling thrive. One less wrestling organization means these people are out of a job, you know. So why would you ever want to see TNA die? So shut up about that. And shut up about, you know, me or other people wanting to see TNA die. So that's why we're criticizing them. That's not the case at all. At all. So don't worry about it. But just, it's it's ridiculous. You know, TNA has to get their shit together. And it's not a reflection on the quality of the product either. That's the funny thing, too. With all the issues they're having financially right now, I'm actually really enjoying TNA from a storyline standpoint. From a, from a TV quality product standpoint, there might not be as much buzz as there was about a year ago when they went to the New York tapings and they revamped and they renewed their product and rejuvenated TNA, whatever. There's not as much buzz surrounding TNA right now, but... If you've been watching, maybe you can vouch for this. Maybe it's just me, but I've been thoroughly enjoying the product week to week since their move to Destination America back, you know, a couple months ago. 
I think what they're doing right now, I mean, some of the angles can be a little wishy-washy. I'm not saying everything's perfect. But for a company that was kind of floundering for many years, putting out their worst product in a long time in 2009 and then 2010 and 2011, just absolute garbage television when Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff were on top, and they did better. They did better for themselves. You know, I went on you know record and saying that I wrote an article for Bleacher Report back you know almost three years ago in the summer of 2012, saying why you know TNA from a product quality standpoint was better than WWE for a time in 2012, and I still believe that to this day. In 2013, they fell off the wagon again, and last year was kind of a mess. You know, leaving Spike, but having those great New York shows and everything else. I mean, it's you know, TNA's been a fucking roller coaster for so long now. But the quality since, you know, the start of this year has been so consistently good. You know, the ratings are, should not be a reflection. The ratings system, you know, Dixie Carter said it herself on Steve Austin's podcast a couple weeks ago that, and I, I, I agree with this. I mean, for as bad, you you want to crap on her for all the bad decisions that she made, like, like I just did a couple minutes ago. She has a point in that the ratings with the Nizel, nice and whatever the fuck they're called, rating system is not accurate in 2015. You know, one person turning it off could represent 100,000 people or 10,000 people. So it makes no sense. They got to scrap that crap for Raw, for wrestling in general. Ratings, they mean maybe something. I know, like, you know, for advertisers and stuff, but the rating system in, in, in terms of how they're determined is not as accurate as it once was. It doesn't make any sense. And um, in 2015, it's just completely irrelevant. So that's one thing. That's why I feel like Destination America canceling them this, this soon, you know, making a, you know, jumping to conclusions here is not a wise move to make. But TNA, for all their shit, you know, for all the mismanagement decisions are, are finally catching up to them, you know, unfortunately. I mean, it really sucks to say company that, that has not had, a, that, that has not had a, you know, run any live events or house shows in well over a year or two. It is embarrassing. It's a very embarrassing situation right now for TNA. And I feel for the guys that work for the company. You know, the talent, like I said, it's not a reflection on the talent. They're great. They have a lot of great talent right then and there. But, you know, with all the people leaving and it's sad. You know, it's a sad decline for TNA. I'm not going to say they're going to die. You know, I'm not going to make any accusations saying they will die by the end of this year. I feel like they will they will find a way to survive, whether it be, you know, streaming their show off of their website or something. But, I can't make a clear prediction in terms of what's next for them. You know, beyond September, it's May right now. They have four months to get their shit together and figure out what they're going to do if this is indeed to be true. And it looks like it is. But I I just don't know. I honestly do not have a, do not have a clear prediction. Because without TV in America, they can't survive. They don't have house shows. So what are they going to do? What, they stream off the website? Like I said, maybe. But I don't know. I honestly do, just do not know. But another note, another news though, <laughs> I wanted to discuss this because it got a pretty uh, rowdy reaction out of some people when I tweeted it. But um, you know, as did Josh Matthews. So last Friday it might have been I don't know what day it was. I think it was Wednesday because he put it out on uh, he put it right after the special ended, along with Eli Drake, who put out some asinine tweet about how Samoa Joe, not Samoa Joe, um, how uh, Kevin Owens was like the Stay Puffed Marshmallow guy from Ghostbusters. And it said, uh, fight puffed fight with the NXT title around his waist. He's making, you know, a crack at his weight. It was so fucking dumb for a guy that never amounted to anything in WWE. Um, and he's a good talent too, but just the knock on him was ridiculous. And this is why people perceive this company to be, to be so dumb. 
you know, um, to, to perceive, you know, w, to be, to, for, for people to think that TNA is WWE light, for them to take all the shots they do at TNA, I'm not saying WWE doesn't, sometimes some of the talents do, like, I was watching some video last night when CM Punk made a hilarious crack at TNA, but other than that, though, most WWE performers, they don't acknowledge them, I'd, I'd rather see them not acknowledge TNA than to bash them. Because who fucking cares? Focus on making your own product better. That's what Vince is doing. You know, give all you know, give Vince all the crap he wants that, that you want for him being out of touch, because I know I sure as hell do. But, you know, it doesn't matter whether he acknowledges them or not. It doesn't fucking matter because they're not competition. So why would he bother? Why would he bother giving them free publicity? It's not like he's bashing them. He doesn't give a shit what they're doing. He's focusing on making his own product better. You know, so I commend that about him. But, you know, Eli Drake's, you know, that was dumb. The Josh Matthews thing, the, the Josh Matthews tweet, which I'm going to reference, I don't know what it said exactly. This is just, you know, verbatim, not verbatim, but this is just kind of in a nutshell what it said, saying that, um you know, uh, that WWE was uh, hypocrites. They were hypocrites. The NXT commentators were hypocrites for not acknowledging TNA for a company that, that pretends that TNA does not exist. They were pretending that they knew who Samoa Joe was, and that's just hypocr- hypocrisy. It's obscurity. I don't get it. You know, I'm sick of all this hypocrisy in wrestling and WWE. If they we, if we don't exist, how do they know who Samoa Joe was? Well, for one thing, Samoa Joe, for one thing, Josh Matthews. I mean, I, you don't need me to tell you this. I'm sure a lot of people you've heard this elsewhere. I tweeted it. Other people have tweeted it to him. So this is nothing new. But Samoa Joe made a name for himself in Ring of Honor. I made the dumb mistake of saying that you know TNA did not make. Samoa Joe, Ring of Honor made Samoa Joe. Someone responded back saying, you know, Samoa Joe, for fuck's sake, Samoa Joe made Samoa Joe. I, I get that. I understand that's what the point I was trying to make. But the point I'm trying to make is that TNA did not make Samoa Joe. The guy was already a star before he came to TNA. And let's look at it here. I said it before. I'll say it again. I wrote it in an article. I've said it here in the show. TNA fucking ruined, maybe not ruined, but they mismanaged Samoa Joe for the 10 years that he was there. Not all of his run was terrible. You know, the first few years, he had a pretty good run there. You know, he was undefeated. He was world champion. He was doing the stuff in the tag team, next division. The guy was great, but make, make no bones about it. For the remaining seven years, from 2008 onward, the guy was a joke. He was not, not, maybe, not, he was not maybe not a joke, but he was close to being a joke. Because he was so underutilized, he was misused in TNA. He was getting kidnapped. He was pretending to kill people. He was overweight, he was unmotivated, and that's the key with Samoa Joe. The guy was unmotivated, because they had nothing for him. They never gave, of all the people that had all world title runs in TNA, from Chris Saban to Eric Young to everyone else, they never gave Samoa Joe another one with that belt, which boggled my mind for the longest time. Why they never did that, you know, was just absolutely asinine to me. But, you know... For the many years that he was there, you know, for only two or three was he used properly. For the remaining seven, he was wasted, absolutely wasted in TNA. And it's a shame because he couldn't, you know, I don't, I don't think WWE would have hired him years ago when he was in his prime. But it's a shame because, you know, if they did, you know, if they, if, if he left TNA back in 2009 or 2010 or whatever, and he came on over to WWE in 2010, 2011, imagine the match this guy could have fucking had with CM Punk. And Daniel Bryan and the you know the current crop of guys, Kevin Owens or you know Kevin Owens is now, but you know what I mean. Seth Rollins, Daniel Bryan, Cesaro with the matches we're gonna get now, the matches you could have had with Shawn Michaels and Edge and Jericho and everyone else that was a Undertaker and all the guys that were regulars five six years ago that aren't now. You know it's it's Batista. 
it's mind-boggling to me, you know. Uh, TNA did not make Samoa Joe. You do not need me to tell you that. It's pretty common sense, but there's those TNA blowards, the diehards out there. And I'm not, you know, trashing the fan base. I'm just trashing those people that are, excuse me, that are just so, I don't know, just so warped up in TNA, just feeding, you know, drinking their Kool-Aid. They just don't see anything wrong with the product. And, I mean, I love WWE. I love TNA, but I will acknowledge, I will criticize them when they need to be criticized. And I'm as positive as it can be about the wrestling industry but when a company has shit i will you know i will discuss that shit i will exploit that i will exploit that shit i will discuss that shit you know i will not hide it i will not say everything's good and grand although i am an optimist i will criticize them for their crap and there are some fans out there specifically for tna that just don't want to admit that this company is not in the greatest state right now and it's sad it's it's quite honestly sad and, um, you know, hopefully they come to their senses, you know, hopefully at some point in the near future. I don't even know what I was talking about. I think I was talking about Joe and, and the fan base or something. But, yeah, there's just a lot of dumb fans out there. They just they just don't get it. They just don't get it. You, made a, you make a comment like that, like I put out on Twitter a couple of days ago, and just people go nuts. People lose their shit for no reason. You know, and it's, it's crazy. There's just some people out there that just don't understand the teenage, being in the state that it is in. You need to have a broader mind and not just poop on everybody because they're shitting on Tina. They have a reason. I don't want to see wrestling die. I love Tina. I really hope they can get out of this um, stronger than ever. I'm not counting on it, but I'm hoping. I have my fingers crossed that Tina can get out of this and just make a better company for themselves, make a better future for themselves coming out of this shit with Destination America. So that's all that we have on the situation for right now. Um, you know, it's, oh, that's all that's going on in the last uh, in the last week. So pretty. Uh, Memorable week, to say the least, in wrestling with from uh, Raw and Payback and uh, NXT TakeOver Unstoppable to Elimination Chamber this Sunday. It's been quite the week in wrestling with all the news about TNA as well. We'll keep you posted with more news coming out um, in regards to TNA as we, as we get those updates. But I mentioned Elimination Chamber, and we're having Tony Mango of Bleach Report and the founder and owner of Smartout Moment. To, uh, he will be joining me to talk about Elimination Chamber just momentarily. To give our previews, predictions, and full picks for every match on the show this Sunday. So here we go. Hey, how's it going, Tony? Hi, uh, yeah, there. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, I mean, welcome to the show, man. This is your first time on the show. So for for those that aren't familiar with you, with your work with Smartout Moment and Bleacher Report, just uh, give a little background about yourself. Alrighty, well, uh, I have been doing some different stuff with wrestling for quite a while. I've been a big fan since I was a little kid, and uh, I figured why not get my own website going, so I've been doing that for a couple of years now. started writing for Bleacher Report a couple of years ago, too. My site is smartoutmoment.com. We do a podcast over there called Smack Talk, which you can find on YouTube and iTunes and Stitcher and possibly SoundCloud coming up soon. We do the Monday Night Raw post-show after Monday Night Raw every single week and a bunch of other stuff, too, outside of wrestling, but it's a wrestling show, so we're not going to talk about those. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Well, of course, I'm sure you guys will be covering Elimination Chamber this upcoming Sunday live on the WWE Network, and WWE Network exclusive event. So to break it down now, our picks and predictions for the show, kicking it off, Neville versus Bo Dallas. Who do you got going over? That's got to be Neville. Uh, I, you know, I think the only reason that they have this match on the show is... Well, maybe there's two reasons. One is to get a little bit of filler going. You're going to need some kind of a banter break at some point. But if Neville's not going to be involved in the Intercontinental title match, he's got to do something. He's way too popular 
way too fast for them to just ignore him. So you give him an easy win with Bo Dallas. You know, you make it simple like that. Bo Dallas has no chance. Do you think? And the thing is, too, that, is that these guys have a long history over the NXT Championship, which they've touched on on commentary, their promo last week and whatnot. And Bo Dallas, I think, is good. He's not going to be world champion or anything like that. But it's cool to see that they're finally doing something with him. Like you said, there's no chance. I've also got Neville here. There's no chance he wins on Sunday. Do you think there's any long-term plans for him, or do you think this is just kind of the feed him to Neville thing just to get Neville on the show? For uh, long-term plans for Neville or for Bo Dallas? Oh, for Bo Dallas. My apologies. Uh, you know, I don't think so. At least not right now. I think Bo Dallas had a better shot back over a year ago when he was doing the gimmick to begin with. There was a good chance that he could have been playing like that, kind of like the Hockey Talk Man role, where he could have been that heel in the mid-card that everybody gets under his skin and stuff. But they waited way too long, and now maybe it's a situation where they're putting these two together because they work together more so than actually try to give Bo Dallas a shot. Yeah, good point. Like you said, I think he could have worked well in that role. Like you said, as the honky-tonk man, where if they give him the the IC championship last year or something like that, because... And, and as you said, it was over a year ago, so the chances of him being pushed anytime soon are pretty slim to none. But the match should be good, though. They had a lot of good matches over in NXT, so I'm looking forward to that on uh, on Sunday. Up next, triple threat match for the Divas Championship. Nikki Bella defending against Naomi and Paige. Who do you see coming out victorious in this one? That's a tough one. There could be actually all three of these coming out because Paige is somebody who they definitely need to push when they start getting into tough enough. She's going to be one of those judges, and what better way to legitimize her than to make her the Divas champ? But Naomi, she really needs to win that title. And she should have won a long time ago. I don't know why they never gave it to her. But again, though, you've got Nikki Bella, and there's nobody more popular on the roster right now than the Bella Twins as far as the Divas go. Mm-hmm. So that's a real toss-up, and I think what plays more into this is what they want to do with Money in the Bank. Because I originally thought that this triple threat was going to happen there. But, you know, they kind of sprung a elimination chamber on us. So, I don't know. I think, gun in my head, I probably would say that Nikki Bella retains. And maybe she beats Naomi and Paige is not involved in the decision. That way, they do, like, Nikki Bella versus Paige at Money in the Bank. But I really, if I were booking things... Keep it on Nikki Bella and bring Charlotte up. That's who I want to see as the next champ. Same, same. That is long overdue. I was just talking about that before I just got on the phone with you. Charlotte, it is her time to come up. She was at the special last week, the Unstoppable show, but you know she's done everything there is to do in NXT. There's nothing left to do, and there's t- it's time to bring her up, and we need more fresh blood right now. In the Divas division, I think bringing her up, whether it be, you know, I think I think the money feud, or at least close to being a money feud with the Divas, is Nikki Bella versus Charlotte, and then you could do Charlotte versus Paige down the line, a match I don't think we ever got to see when she was when Paige was down there. So that would be cool. And like you said, Naomi's time I think is long overdue. She's been with the company for like five or six years now, been on the main roster since like 2010. I'm surprised they didn't give it to her at the last pay per view at Extreme Rules a couple weeks ago. Um, but still, or at uh, that what payback uh, two weeks ago or whatever the last pay per view was. And I, I got Naomi going over here because if she doesn't win here, I don't know how they'll put her back in the title picture. 
But um, if they do insert Charlotte into the title picture, then I've got Nikki Bella. But I think at this point in time, and Paige has already won the title twice before. She's been up here for a year. So I think I got Naomi going over. But I could definitely, if, if anything, if, if I would definitely go with, with your booking or with your way of booking it and uh, bringing up Charlotte either after Money in the Bank or as soon as Monday Night's Raw because then that would be, uh, it's, it's her time to come up. So up next, another elimination, or one of the first of two elimination chamber matches. This one being for the WWE Tag Team titles, pinning the New Day against Cesaro and Tyson Kidd, Los Matadores, the Ascension primetime players, the Lucha Dragons, in a uh, six-way team match, the WWE Tag Team titles. So who do you got going over here? Yeah, this match is going to be something special. Uh, I'm looking forward to this more than anything else, I think, because we've never seen it before. So... It'll be interesting just to see how they can fit these guys in the pods because who's going to be in there with Big E? You know? <laughs> exactly. But I think that New Day has this. Uh, I love New Day. I think that they're fantastic. And we did a little fantasy league over on um, our different podcasts and stuff, and I specifically got all three members of the New Day because I think that they should keep these titles for a long time. Uh, they went from being totally the opposite of being over with the crowd to being the best thing in the tag team division. So if they don't keep the titles, I'll be really, really disappointed. But if they do end up having to drop it, it has to be the Lucha Dragons. And I think the reason why I'm not betting my money on them is because WWE pushed them really strong and hard the first two, three weeks that they were here. Then they just dropped off the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. And you know, if we've been seeing them only on SmackDown or Main Event or whatever, that's not good enough. WWE needs to get them to the forefront if they really want to be the tag champs. And ideally, I'd like to see them be the last team that the New Day eliminates. Maybe in a kind of like cheating way, maybe like the Leech of Dragons beat the Ascension and when they're celebrating, I don't know, Xavier Woods runs in and gets a quick roll-up or something where you're like, you know, the, the heels... They technically won, they retained, but they're a bunch of jerks, so there's like a new feud that spawns from there. I think that's the best way to go here, but one way or another, I really, really am hoping that New Day would much like yourself, I'm looking forward to this match, and, and you know we have not seen this matchup ever. I mean, the only matches that we've seen inside the Elimination Chamber have been for the WWE and World Heavyweight Championship, never before for the IC title, which we'll get in a second, especially for the tag team title, so it should be pretty cool. And we got a whole array of talent in here, and there's just a lot of teams that won't win. Matadorius Ascension are pretty much ruled out. Primetime players are for like the dark horse, but I mean, especially with the whole thing with Titus O'Neil and him becoming the father of the year, whatever that was... Maybe. I mean, I would like to see that. I like the primetime players, but I don't think it's their time right now. The Lucha Dragons are a good candidate as well, like you mentioned. Um, they were heavily pushed for the first few weeks there on the, on the roster before just being, just kind of disappearing from the show completely, as you mentioned. So I could see them winning here. Cesaro and Kidd, if they won, I mean, it, feel, it's, it still feels too soon. Then why take the titles off them to begin with? And it looks like based off the story they were telling on Raw this week with them being in the handicap match and that, we won't lose our titles and whatever else, kind of the odds being stacked against them, much like they told with Seth Rollins, you know, a couple weeks ago leading the payback, that um, they could be doing the same thing with New Day and them retaining the titles here. The only issue that I have with them retaining is that with the other chamber matches and why it was so misplaced, that pay-per-view, right before WrestleMania, because the chamber, uh, you know, that pay-per-view always featured the champion, whether it was the WWE World Heavyweight or WWE World Heavyweight Champion, whatever, they always retained. I think the last time a, a title changed hands inside the chamber was 
five years ago, I think, when Jericho won it. So do you feel like with New Day winning here, it might hurt the credibility of the chamber? Or do you feel like people? it's been so long, or it's, it's, an, it's a new matchup because it's only tag teams, it's not singles competitors, that uh, it, it won't really matter? I think that the reason why they can get away with this is because the Intercontinental one is vacant. So we're going to get the two Elimination Chamber matches, and we have at least one guarantee for a new champion. Mm-hmm. So if you have a new champion one, you know, balance it out, have the champs retain in the other one. You can't do it with the Intercontinental, so why not do it with the tag team, you know? Plus, the Mega Powers aren't in it, so why not uh, hold it until they can win it? <laughs> exactly. I was surprised that we had the Matadors and the Ascension of all people in this matchup over those guys. And I mean, a lot of people, and I, myself included, were frustrated that Rowan and Harper aren't in the matchup. But I feel like they're going to be building them up and having them, you know, if they're not going to win the titles, there's no reason for them to be in this matchup. So I have no issue with that. But um, down the line would be cool. The New Day have been excellent, as you mentioned. I've been loving them as heels. So I have no problem with them retaining. Then they can probably move into a feud with the Dragons, going to Money in the Bank or SummerSlam, whatever. So um, of all these tag teams, I don't know. I think I was going to go with the, with the players with this one or the Dragons, but I think you kind of convinced me with the New Day, especially if they have the third guy on the outside. He could cheat to win or something like that, so they won't win clean. Um, so I'll have to go with the New Day on this one as well, especially after what we saw on, on Raw last night. The second chamber match for the vacant Intercontinental Championship. Combatants include Sheamus, Ryback, R-Truth, King Barrett, Rusev, and Dolph Ziggler. Who do you see walking away with the title? It's a shame that Vacant has to lose another one of his titles. <laughs> uh, that guy's been killing it this year. He's been great. We actually have a, uh, an account on Facebook and Twitter, Vacant WWE, I think it's what it is. Really? i got to check that out. It's funny. you got to play up that angle, you know. He's a UFC <laughs> champ and stuff. You know, That's York. great. Um, I'm surprised at the people that are in this match. I never would have assumed that out of all the people that Rusev and R-Truth would have been involved. I thought that this was... Neville and uh, you know, maybe Bray Wyatt or something like that, but mm-hmm. no matter what, at the beginning of this, I said, this is Sheamus' to lose. And if he doesn't walk away with a title here, I'm going to be totally shocked. King Barrett, he already has the King thing going. He doesn't need it. Ryback, I love Ryback, but WWE doesn't seem to. Whenever they want to give him a push, it seems like they start making him lose instead, so... Not now. I don't have a lot of faith for him there. R-Truth, of course, there's, you know, R-Truth is a limit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it really comes down to the feud between Ziggler and Rusev. Is that going to be something that they need to have the title for, or is it just going to be all about Lana? And I think it's going to be more of a Lana thing. So really, you know, why put all your eggs in the basket and make that about the Intercontinental title too? Why not give that to Sheamus and start some new feud between him and Ryback or something and kind of filthy uh, birds of one stone. If maybe Ziggler and Rusev eliminate each other and Sheamus picks up the pieces and stuff, a quick road kick and Ziggler maybe wins the match. But I'm definitely going with Sheamus here. And I'm not a huge fan of Sheamus, but he seems to be the right guy at the time to win this title. Absolutely. I feel like I'm not the biggest Sheamus fan, as you mentioned, but I feel like with him, the whole heel gimmick and coming back since WrestleMania, the the, the Mohawk and the new character, the are you not entertained thing. It's great. I love it. So I feel like him as Intercontinental Champion would be a nice fit. 
And as you mentioned, the whole thing with Rusev and Ziggler does not need that title. And like at the next pay-per-view, if we got Sheamus and Ryback versus Rusev and Ziggler, the Rusev-Ziggler match does not need to be over that title. I mean, it would granted, it would give Rusev some momentum after losing to John Cena for three consecutive pay-per-views, losing his girl, losing the undefeated streak. So there's a chance there, unless this whole thing is a ruse. But after what we saw on Raw last night, that kind of convinced me otherwise that it does not look like Rusev and Lana are in cahoots with one another. So, And then if you just have Sheamus and Ryback one-on-one, it's just kind of a match that no one really cares about. But if you put the title on the line, it makes it ten times more interesting. They teased it a couple weeks ago or you know, last week on Raw, so I could see that happening. But yeah, of these six people, I, I probably got Sheamus. I would love to see Ryback win the title down the line or... Um, or if Rusev won the belt. I mean, I, I was thinking about that if Rusev won the championship and he came out of his feud with Ziggler victorious and they did they went back to Ryback and Rusev down the line. I highly doubt that, but um, yeah, my gut's telling me Sheamus. But another question in regards to this matchup, do you feel that R-Truth's involvement, I mean, this is a long shot. We've seen it before, though, that they could replace him with someone else right before the matchup begins. I hope so. Because <laughs> R-Truth has no means to do this match. <laughs> yep. And I don't really know who they could replace him with, though. I mean, maybe maybe Stardust, maybe Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. But I would think that they would need to replace him with another babyface. Because really, right now in the match, we only have Truth, Ryback, and Ziggler. But they like to balance it out a little bit. And I can't think of a babyface that would attack him, or a babyface that is in the mid-card hanging around now and doesn't have a match or something. But maybe a Roman Reigns or something, if they really want to make that special, but then they'd have to lose, so mm-hmm. that's really tough. I don't know. I think that we're just getting our truth to be kind of like the most matadories of that match. He's just going to get his ass one <laughs> Yeah, I think so as well. And I feel like, you know, if they were going to put a guy like Stardust in there or maybe even, I don't know, like a Wyatt or a Roman Reigns, they would have announced it beforehand because those guys, I mean, a Stardust I could see them announcing beforehand unless he was going to win it. Or a Cody Rhodes or something like that. That would be like dream booking. Like if he came out and attacked him, that, that would be cool. And I don't see that happening in the WWE. But, um, you know, I would feel like a Wyatt who does not have a match on the show, a Randy Orton I would doubt that he really has no business being involved in the match. And Roman Reigns looks like he's tied up in the world title match, so maybe a Wyatt, but unless he's going to win it, which I also don't see happening, they're probably just going to stick with truth, like you said, the most Matadores of this matchup. So our first of two main events in a champion versus champion matchup, apparently non-title for neither championship, John Cena versus Kevin Owens. So the hardest match, in my personal opinion, to predict on this show, who do you think is going over? It is tough. Uh, I think that they kind of gave us the ending here by making it a non-title match. I was really hoping that Kevin Owens would be the guy to beat Cena for the title. Although I love the U.S. Open Challenge thing he's doing, I do kind of want to see Owens be the next champ. And I'd rather it happen at the end of the year or maybe Survivor Series time or something. But Mm -hmm. now that they took away the stipulation and it's just a normal match, there's no reason why Kevin Owens shouldn't win. John Cena can take the hit. I mean, he's a guy where he loses to a Kevin Owens. He can win the world title the next night, and nobody's going to question it at all. So you either have Owens win, or you make John Cena look like he's still better than everybody in developmental, and that's way too detrimental to NXT. you got to push NXT a lot harder. I think that they're fully behind Kevin Owens, and why not? Because that guy's awesome. So I'm hoping that something happens here where Kevin Owens wins, and maybe it'll lead to the title match down the line, and maybe 
I don't know, Night of Champions or something like that. Maybe they can reignite this feud, but one way or another, I'm rooting for Owens. I think Owens will end up winning. And if they don't go that route, I think it'll be because of some kind of interference. Maybe Finn Balor or, uh, well, Sami Zayn can because he's too injured, but... A Joe, maybe? Maybe somebody with Joe, yeah. Somebody would have to come out and help John Cena, I think. Mm-hmm. Kevin Owens is way too important. Yeah, they just can't beat him clean one, two, three. That would be detrimental to his push. So I hope, hopefully, we don't see that happening. But in regards to this matchup, like you said, there's no reason why it should not be over the U.S. Championship. So the fact that it's not kind of guarantees an Owens victory. But if he, if he doesn't win and John Cena wins, I just don't see the point in why they brought him up so quickly. Maybe to grab viewers to the network, I get that, but it wouldn't make any sense. Even if they did have the interference, and I could see that happening, and especially if they went back the feud down the line. <clears throat> but for this matchup anyway, I think it might have been Big Nasty who mentioned it on Bleach Report not too long ago that John Cena should win this matchup if Kevin Owens doesn't become a regular, saying that it might be pointless that um, if Owens isn't a regular on the main roster going forward, that him getting a win over John Cena then disappearing until SummerSlam or later than that or whatever would be unnecessary. Do you feel like that's that's the issue here? Like if Kevin Owens won, then it went back to NXT, then it would be deemed irrelevant? Or do you think the win might you know give him a huge boost before he goes back to NXT or becomes a regular? I can see that. That does make sense. Um, the problem that you have with both in the situation, if he wins and then they don't do anything with it, then what's the point? If he loses and he goes back to NXT, then he looks like a chump and NXT looks like they're the definitive developmental brand and they, they, they can't compete. Mm-hmm. But I think between you try to weigh the two options, it makes more sense for him to win and for him to come back as a righteous champion who, you know, I can even take people on the main roster, so what the hell is somebody like Finn Balor going to do? And uh, John Cena can just move on to somebody else if he's not going to be around. I don't know who that would be, but maybe by the time they sort out who's going to be in the bank match, you're going to have a couple stragglers, and you can't throw 30 people in there. So somebody can come out, and they can kind of pass the whole idea of, well, you just lost to a developmental guy. What are you going to do against somebody on the main roster? Kind of get around it. I mean, they're going to have to play a little bit of tricky games, but I'm going to can pull it off. Yeah, I think with this matchup, it'll tell the better story if Owens wins. Because if Cena wins, especially clean one, two, three, which hopefully won't happen, I think Triple H is high enough him high enough on him to the point where that that won't happen, especially even with interference or something. What if Cena wins? It'll just be business as usual. You know, Cena wins, LOL, and then we just kind of move on to other things. And then if Kevin Owens wins, it's kind of like that rock Cena dynamic from a couple years ago, where like, where does Cena go from here? How will he rebound from the loss? And um, they can always do that title match down the line when he does get called up for real, whether it be at SummerSlam or even earlier than that. But um, yeah, I think it could make, like you said, I don't know who exactly would go after that championship of Money in the Bank. Never would be cool, but I feel like he has to be in the Money in the Bank ladder match for all that he's capable of accomplishing and pulling off in that match. But um, I'm, I'm sure they'll come up with somebody at some point. But yeah, I've got Kevin Owens over here as well. Main event, which is guaranteed to be, guaranteed to be a great match for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose. Who do you see walking away with the WWE title? I love Ambrose, but he's got no shot. <laughs> <laughs> Ambrose went through a big losing streak last year, and it seems like they're correcting it, thankfully. They understand that that guy is way too popular to do that, and... You know, uh, he's gone through exploiting TVs and he's gone through a bunch of BS to get to the spot that he's at now. But Jeff Rollins, he has to stick with that championship. And 
I think the earliest that Rollins is going to drop that title is SummerSlam. Uh, if I were booking things, I'd probably keep it around him a little bit longer, but I'm starting to get really suspicious here that Money in the Bank is going to play into SummerSlam. Maybe there's like a Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins match there, and the Money in the Bank winner cashes in on Seth Rollins and kind of it's a little comeuppance for WrestleMania. I would assume it would be Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine WWE doing this Elimination Chamber pay-per-view out of nowhere and having that be the title change. Especially with Dean Ambrose, because Ambrose went from not even being involved in that payback match to just kind of being shoehorned in there. He stole the show, though, which was great. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, why he's getting this match here. But uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I would be happy either way if they ended up having the title change or not. Uh, I don't have any faith that Ambrose will come out. I think this is Seth Rollins. Yeah, I could see it, and maybe in an off chance that Ambrose wins, and if they wanted to switch it up. And I was talking to somebody about this the other day. If they had Ambrose win the championship here, and then maybe give it right back to Rollins at the Money in the Bank pay per view. I could see that, but I feel like, I don't know, I'm more of a traditionalist in that I would rather keep the belt on Rollins and then have it mean more when, it eventually, when he eventually loses it, you know, the title that this guy won at WrestleMania, and it's been one continuous reign since then. I mean, in the whole switcheroo, I get it, kind of switching it up, making it more unpredictable, but I feel like it will benefit both Rollins and the championship in the long run, and Ambrose can get a nice long run down the line as well, not just a two-week reign. So I've got Seth Rollins here as well, but like you mentioned, I think that's a, a, something that a lot of people are thinking of, and I was just talking about this with someone, I think just yesterday, if, you know, and Roman Reigns alluded to it, I think on SmackDown last week, that he'll be in Money in the Bank, so he's kind of like the heavy favorite this year, just like he was for the Royal Rumble, and he could cash in against Rollins and maybe do a double turn or turn Roman Reigns heel, something like that might happen, but speaking of Roman Reigns, actually final question for you. After everything that we saw in Raw and Roman Reigns getting involved in the main event and the opening tag team match, and he does not have a match on the card as of right now, do you feel Roman Reigns will play a factor into the finish of this matchup at all? I hope so. Um, That's tough, though, because if he does come out, how do they have him involved with it where it's not a Dean Ambrose win? That's the tricky thing. And maybe the only way to do that is to reintroduce Big Show. If he hasn't been doing anything for a while. Or maybe it's just a matter of him coming up short where, you know, the couple other members of the authority kind of get involved. Roman Reigns gets for the save, but just not good enough. You've got Kane, you've got potentially Big Show. you got Jerry Mercury and Jamie Noble, which they don't really matter, but, you know, there's still <laughs> yeah. something. Uh, Triple H could get involved a little bit. And if it's Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns against all of them, I'd buy into Seth still being able to win. But I'm really, really hoping that we don't see Roman Reigns turn heel. I know a lot of people are interested in that. And if they would have done that at around WrestleMania time, I would have been down for it. But now is not the time. Roman Reigns is starting to get a little bit more favor with the fans. And they need to run with that more than anything else. So if he's involved, he needs to come up short from somebody like a big show. Um, If he does turn heel then it's definitely not a Dean Ambrose win. I think either way, Ambrose is kind of screwed. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I feel like with Reigns, you know, when you still get heat from the fans, I mean, it was more so on management than it was on him, but he was getting the backlash from it. WrestleMania would have been the time to do it, but they didn't do it, and he's getting more traction now, as you mentioned, with all the various wins that he's picked up since then. He's kind of winning over the fans, slowly but surely. 
and Sunday. Maybe they could do it down the line. Maybe it's SummerSlam, but right now anyway, just kind of would feel random. But, you know, the whole buddy-buddy thing with Ambrose can go on, only go on for so long. And, I mean, I said this weeks ago, but it definitely feels like they're building up to an Ambrose Reigns match at SummerSlam. And of those two, I would turn Roman Reigns. I wouldn't do it on Sunday, but I feel like if Ambrose or Reigns, rather, will get involved in the matchup, they could have him accidentally, I don't know, have Kane push Reigns into Ambrose or something like that to cost him the win, kind of tease tension, and then down the line they'll turn one of them before SummerSlam. In an ideal world, I would turn Roman Reigns, but I feel like it might be Ambrose. But I just feel like right now, as you mentioned at the start of the uh, for the prediction panel, that Ambrose is so over right now that it would just be asinine to turn him heel. So I don't know what they'll do here, but like you said, I feel like Rollins is kind of a... Uh, Kind of a shoe in to win this matchup and walk away as the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. So that's going to close out the prediction panel, man. Thanks for joining me. But before I let you go, feel free to uh, plug your website where people can find you and whatnot. All right, guys. Well, smartcoutmoment.com is my wrestling site. As I mentioned before, we do articles all the time about different stuff. A lot of like gimmicky stipulation type of articles and stuff more than anything else. But... We do the Smack Talk podcast each and every week. That's usually up Thursday mornings on YouTube. It's uh, youtube.com slash smartoutmoment. Uh, if you want to find that on iTunes and Stitcher, you can find that there as well. If you want to listen to me ramble about a bunch of nonsense, there's the All Talk Show, which you can find on facebook.com slash Show, and the links are all there. If you are a fan of geek culture, and the nerdy kind of things like movies and comic books and all that. Then there's fanboysanonymous.com. We have some podcasts over there as well. And uh, you can check me out on eWrestling News. You can check me out on Bleach Report. I'm a busy guy with way too many plates that he's coming. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Graham. No problem, man. It's been a blast. Thanks again. I'll catch you down the road. All righty, man. Later. All right, thanks again to Tony for joining me for a great prediction panel for Elimination Chamber this Sunday. As noted, you can find him on Twitter and follow him at Tony Mango. That is T-O-E-N-E-E-E, like knee, M-A-N, then G-O, Tony Mango. Check out him on Bleach Report, Smartout Moment, and all the other links that he gave out before. And that's going to do it for today's edition of WrestleRant Radio. A very stacked show, obviously one of the longest editions of all time. But there's, there's a lot to talk about. NXT TakeOver Unstoppable, the flourishing state of WWE, TNA's current state, which I already ranted on before, an Elimination Chamber this Sunday. There is no better time to be a wrestling fan than right now. And I'm pretty damn happy, I'm pretty damn proud to be a fucking wrestling fan at this very moment. So I'm looking forward to Elimination Chamber uh, this upcoming weekend. We'll be back next Tuesday on my birthday, June 2nd, my 20th birthday, for a full review of Elimination Chamber from Sunday night and Monday Night Raw from Monday. I don't know who's going to be joining me yet to talk about the pay-per-view or Raw or whatever, but there will be somebody here to help me review both or one of those shows. So, of course, you can find me on Twitter at WrestleRant, on Facebook at Facebook.com, backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. Of course, the very website you listen to this show on right now, NextEarWrestling.net, full reviews of Raw, SmackDown, Main Event, Superstars, TNA Impact Wrestling, while still on the air, Lucha Underground, and everything else in between right here only on Next Air Wrestling. And also, brief update too. I'm going to try to start doing this uh, going forward. Live reviews. I did it with Payback. I did it with SmackDown last week. I did it with Raw on Memorial Day. Um, Live or written reviews of all the shows that I could do. At least Raw. Maybe Impact. I'm not really sure. Maybe going forward. Sometimes SmackDown. Most of the time Raw. Most of the time pay-per-views. So make sure to check back on NextEarWrestling.net during your favorite wrestling shows for my live coverage of the events. 
And as always, you can find me on YouTube for exclusive excerpts of this show. You can check out my hashtag GasGSM videos, the WrestleRant videos, the random video blogs where I talked about Samoa Joe's WWE debut last week, whose shirt I also bought after NXT TakeOver Unstoppable ended. Can't, I cannot wait for that to arrive, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. <clears throat> But as I mentioned, folks, we'll be back next Tuesday with another brand new episode of WrestleRant Radio right here on NextEarWrestling.net. Thanks for listening, folks, and I'll catch you guys next Tuesday.